was great until suddenly, zoom, your mouth is on fire. <laughs> Do you date a lot, Wade? Uh, no. No, I, um... Uh... Check. What? Why? You're married. No, I'm not. Tell that to the white circle on your ring finger. I, I can explain this. I don't date cheaters. But I'm not a cheater. Oh, look, I couldn't cheat if I wanted to. My wife died! I just took my wedding ring off today. I'm so sorry. I'm going to comp the Shishido Peppers. All right. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Kentucky Dad Podcast. Big Blue Drew here. Really excited about this one. I have an awesome guest coming on. But if you haven't, please make sure you go back and listen. We had um, Kentucky Superfan on last week, Michael Clark, Rob Harris, the strength coach for men's basketball. So some really inspiring stories. And, and I genuinely appreciate anyone that's kind of sent me a message. I've, over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten a lot of messages with people just saying that story inspired them or they thought it was neat to what we were doing. So thank you. That means the world to me. But today I said, it's someone very special. I'm excited to talk to because I don't know much about them. We've kind of met in passing a few times, but very, very well liked around the Kentucky athletic spectrum. A lot of people um, sent me messages when I announced that he was going to be the one coming on. So today we have the associate director of athletics, communications and public relations for football and women's basketball. Evan Crane is with us. Evan, thank you for coming on the Kentucky Dad Podcast. I'm happy to. Um, you know, merging together my two loves, being a dad with UK Athletics, that's, uh, it's an easy thing to talk about. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, spot on, man. That was my take when kind of the, the idea spawned on me. Like when, when COVID started, I'm like, you know, all of us dads just love yapping about our kids more than anything. And we all like Kentucky sports. So you're right. It's kind of a good good fit for both. But real quick, before we get into our TV dads, Evan, um, just kind of briefly, I guess, just walk us through your, your kind of work history and just kind of how you got to be um, where you're at with your position at Kentucky Athletics. Sure. Yeah. So I started at UK Athletics in 2007. Um, well, I, that's actually when I started at the University of Kentucky as an undergraduate student. My first year at UK Athletics was in 2008. Um, and I've been at UK ever since. I've held a wide variety of tasks at UK, all within the, what used to be called then the Media Relations Office. Now we call it the Athletic Communications and Public Relations Office. I'm not sure why we made the switch other than we just thought it sounded better. Um, but basically they, they do the same thing. But um, I started in, in 08. When I was there in 08, I was just a volunteer student assistant. Um, I just happened into Susan Lack's office one day is, is, the, is the real story. Um, my, it, it's crazy. My dad was at a barbecue spot in Paducah, Kentucky, four hours away from here. Um, somebody in the barbecue spot knew me and knew Susan Lax. And before you knew it, I was rolling into her office one day begging for a job. She hired me as a volunteer student assistant. Um, and I guess as they say, the rest is history, but I, uh, I spent a year and a half as a volunteer assistant and then I took over uh, men's golf. Um, as far as a media a sports information director, you'll probably hear me say that SID is what that means. So uh, I was a men's golf SID for a year and then I um, was men's golf and men's tennis for my last year as a student at UK. Um, once I graduated, Dwayne Peavy had lost all of his internships um, because of budget cuts. And so he said, he said, you're going to have to go somewhere else and I'm going to have to hire you back once you get your internship done somewhere else. And so I was actually going to Auburn. Uh, I'd had a job offer down there. I was going to go down to Auburn at the last minute. Peavy found some money opened an internship. Um, I don't even remember what I was making. I think I was making like minimum wage, 40 hours mm -hmm. a week. I mean, it was basically nothing, but it kept me at Kentucky. Um, 
And so I had that role for three years and I did gymnastics, football, um, softball, um, men's tennis, men's golf, rifle, um, a wide variety of sports. I finally became full-time in 2014, did softball and football, started our student program or ran our student program. We have about 20 volunteer students that I am in charge of at UK Athletics. So, And then from there, I took over women's basketball in 2015. So yeah, I mean, I've been in women's basketball and football, and then now I've just added rifle this year um, since then. But uh, it, it's been fun, man. I, I love it. You know, it's it's long nights, it's long weekends, it's long days, it's a lot of headache. But uh, but you know, um, it, it's a job, and it's it's my life now, and uh, I love it. So yeah, that's kind of how I've I've moved up the ladder, I guess you'd say. Although I'm still pretty close to the bottom, but uh, <laughs> now I've kind of stepped onto the ladder, I guess is how you would say it. I feel like you're one of the only people that I've talked to or really met in general, Evan, that has that's touched so many of those sports. You know, usually it's like maybe a couple and then they kind of find. So you've done the gauntlet of like all the Kentucky sports seemingly. Do you, um, excluding football, if football is your favorite, but do you have a, a favorite sport um, that you've kind of had um, your job intertwined with? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have done a lot. But I think softball was my favorite. And, and it's weird because I'm a huge baseball guy. Um, I, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan through and through. Oh, uh, I'm just, I just love baseball. It's my favorite sport. Um, and when I got softball in 14 or 13, I can't even remember which year it was. I, I wasn't a huge softball guy. I, I kind of thought it was kind of a gimmicky sport. You know, it's not played like baseball is. I didn't really think it was um, uh, a sport that I was fall in love with. And I could not have been more wrong. I, fought, I fell in love with it immediately. Um, I fell in love with that staff immediately. Rachel Lawson is one of the greatest human beings I have ever met in my life. Um, one of the best leaders I've ever come across in my life. Mm. So is Christine Himes, Molly Johnson, Belcher, uh, then the whole John Croft, all, all of the people in that program. And it's still my favorite. If you, as soon as women's basketball is over, uh, you will find me at John Crop Stadium. I live there uh, in the off season because I just love the sport of softball. So it, it definitely is my favorite. Neat. Yeah, I might have to catch up with you on the game because I've really wanted to. Um, I kind of grew up a, my dad's huge Cubs fans and stuff like that. So I grew up playing baseball, still play like men's slow pitch. So I, I don't watch it as much on TV, but I love live, um, you know, baseball, softball. So it's been on my list. I know um, my buddy Aaron Gershon, who I do on um, the Cats by 90 podcast with, he's a big baseball fan being from the Northeast. And I know he covers a lot of UK baseball. So cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, we got to hit the TV, Dads, man, and I'm going to go first um, this week. So you might have heard, so I tried to play some audio of my TV, Dad, you know, as we were getting going here. And it's kind of a new show. I don't know. You probably may have not seen it, Evan. Most people probably haven't. But my TV, Dad, this week is Wade from the show The Unicorn on Netflix. This is a new show. Do you watch Netflix, Evan? I'm a Netflix guy, but I haven't seen that one. It's pretty new. It just came out. You'll probably see it now that I've mentioned it because it's like a top, you know, trending top 10 show or whatever this week. So we checked it out. And it's like one of those regular like uh, network TV sitcom type shows, I think. And the guy who plays Wade, and I didn't know this was his name, is Walton Groggins. Do you know who that is? I do know. It's uh, yeah. Boyd Crowder from Justified, yes. right? Yes, yes. So, so, yeah, he's awesome, man. And he's good. So the, the, and he probably kind of picked up on it in my, my clip that I played. But he plays a role of, um, of a father whose wife died. So he has two daughters, similar age to me. I have a 13-year-old daughter. 
So he's like wrangling down these preteens with no mom. So it's a comedy, but of course they throw me in the, with the, the, um, the guy being widow. There's some really sad parts in it. So I've been uh, wiping my eyes a little bit this week watching it because I can so closely connect with Wade from the unicorn because you should just see him, Evan, like when, when he gets one of those girl preteen problems, like just the look in his body language of like just being defeated. I can relate to that so much. So shout out to uh, Wade from the unicorn. That's mine. Um, what about you? That's a good one. I'll have to make sure I check that out. Mine is a movie, Dad. Um, I am a huge holiday guy. Um, Halloween is my favorite holiday. Ooh, okay. Our house is decorated like crazy. Um, I mean, the whole house is is Halloween. Outside, I've got, you know, probably a dozen pumpkins, two inflatables, lights. Uh, we, you know, we just love Halloween. We do the same thing for Christmas, same thing for Thanksgiving. And uh, so for me, I just want the holidays to be so perfect <laughs> and to have all those memories, especially now that I have a little one, that I feel like I'm Clark Griswold. Nice. Because when it doesn't go good, I just – you know, I, I, I'm always in control and in my job because like I manage 200 people on game days at Kroger field every Saturday mm -hmm. and I manage to get them to do what I need them to do. But then when mm -hmm. I can't get my three-year-old to do what she needs to do to make a perfect Christmas, I just like lose my mind and, <laughs> you know, need, I need Tylenol like he needs there at the end. But uh, that, that's mine. That's who I associate with the most is like, it's Clark. Yeah, we actually brought him up recently, too, and you're right. You, you hit the nail on the head because that's exactly who he is. All he wants is for his family to enjoy things. Like, he gets his joy from others, and like you said, when you can't make that happen, that's kind of when he, he does his meltdown. And I'll have to uh, pair you up with T.J. Walker. So, T.J. Walker, a good friend of mine, he was one of the main ones that was kind of uh, ringing the bell of being excited that Evan was coming on today. And that guy is obsessed with Halloween, man. I went to his Halloween party last year, and he teed it up. But, man, I was so impressed. Like, he, he really goes all out for Halloween. And I'm going to have to archive the picture, too, because I went as a um, – as like a blue hair old person from the lower level of Rupp Arena. And my costume was just terrific. I had like gray hair, a big mustache, of course, a sweater vest. So I'm gonna have to get you guys linked up because y'all are huge Halloween guys. So good one, Clark Griswold. That one is uh, kind of, I think everybody at least loves the movies. And I know that's the way I am. Let me ask you this, though. Maybe like turn that a little bit uh, more serious though, Evan, because this, this is something that I struggle with a lot. How you were just describing like managing 200 people and like your job, obviously just being pretty stressful on those game days and game weeks, I'm sure, just making sure everything goes perfect. And especially now in COVID world, which maybe we'll touch on in a little bit, but I struggle personally with like, I'm the same way. Like I manage people at work. I don't necessarily have a super stressful job, but definitely stuff, just having that manager title that can basically you're holding your tongue a lot of times all day. Right. So I really struggle personally with like all day holding my patience with people that I don't even know. And then I get home and I don't do this, do as well with my own family. And I hate that. Like I'm beating myself up, like trying to go to bed almost a few nights every week thinking that I did that. So does that like resonate with you at all? Trying to hold your, your stuff together at work and then kind of coming home, not as the best version of yourself. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, I deal with that every day and I think every dad does, you know, um, I'm sure you probably listened to Coach Soups on Monday in his press conference and somebody asked about his patience and his patience with the program. And you know, he said, I, I, I do find myself more patient with my players than I do my boys. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, I think we all, we all do that, but um, yeah, absolutely. And the hard part for me is that, you know, I, I just want 
Eileen is my little girl. She's three. We're expecting another one in January. Oh, great. I didn't know that. Sorry. I should have teed that up. So your wife, Megan, right. And then daughter Eileen was born in 2017. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So she's three. And then we're, we're having a little boy in January. Louie is going to be his name. Um, Hold on. Wait, what's his name going to be? Louie. Louie. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Louis Francis Crane. uh, Francis is a family name on both of me and my wife's side. And then Lewis is a name we just fell in love with it. People joke to us, you should name it after the St. Louis Cardinals and call him Lewis. And we yeah. kind of laughed about it, but now we, we liked it. But, um, but what I find myself doing all the time with Eileen is preparing for Louie in January. So I tell her all the time, daddy can't carry you up to bed anymore. You know, you need, you're a big girl now. You need to walk up to bed. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if daddy tells you no chocolate, he means no chocolate. I'm not going to have to time in January uh, you know when there are two here two kids to be able to to fight you for 15 minutes over you having chocolate before or after dinner like we're gonna have bigger fish to fry and so that's when I start losing my patience with her some is because I just want her to understand that our family's lives is changing in January and you know as much as she's three and she's not going to be able to understand that until it happens I keep thinking she's 20 and should be able to understand that um so I do definitely uh, think that I struggle with that yeah like you said I'm everybody does and just to what extent and the worst part about that for me is that like every i'm so aware of it like i will be dry and i'm so fortunate now i've been like i traded a job like pretty much always had a job where i drive like 30 minutes to work each way you know which isn't horrible but um last year we bought a new house and i'm like literally five minutes away from work not even i find myself like you know having to sit in traffic less but like when i didn't have that i would i would leave work and be like i know this is going to be 40 minutes just chill, relax, but never could do it. By the time I got to the 30th minute, like, and I walked through the door, I was kind of just frustrated and stuff. So it's definitely something that I work on, but let's jump over real quick. So um, we introduced a segment to the show, probably about four or five episodes that I really like it. It gets me to um, know a little bit about you with just asking one question, Evan. So the question is in your everyday routine, do you drink more coffee, soda, or alcohol? Coffee. (laughs) Um, For sure. Coffee. Uh, and, and uh, but I only have one cup. Okay. Um, I normally have about one cup of coffee. I, I probably go through most days not having any type of soda at all. Um, really. I mean, I may have a Sprite with dinner, but mm. I can't even remember the last time I, have a, I had a caffeinated soda. Oh, good um, for you. So it's just been a long time. But, uh, and then alcohol... Um, it, it's probably very close with coffee. Um, I am a bourbon guy. Um, I got into bourbon about 10 years ago uh, and I just love bourbon. I have a, um, a, a very good collection. It's not anything that's, that's super special. It's got, a, you know, I have a few rare bottles on there that probably most people would, you know, be, be, be surprised to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I do like a good bourbon. I, I try to not have one until Eileen goes to bed. So I'm going to put her to bed around 845 mm-hmm. and then come downstairs, get a nice smooth bourbon with a, a you know, a rock or two. That, that's, that's my ideal night. But the, it's still about one to one ratio there on coffee and bourbon. 
Okay, okay, good stuff. Yeah, my my dad works at Brown Foreman here in Louisville, so he's obviously knee deep in the bourbon game. And then my brother is kind of on like a similar trajectory as you, where over really like the last six months or so, he's really been like getting into it and learning and and up in his collection. And I know it becomes a fast, like a fast and furious and expensive hobby very quickly. It is so expensive, and that's what's crazy is that most times when you do something um, that is. I guess, regionally, um, I don't want to say idolized, but, but, you know, bourbon is just so popular here. You would think that it would become, you know, less expensive Mm -hmm. as you move along in it, but it is very, very expensive. I mean, I I got lucky to to come across a few bottles that, you know, uh, there's two bottles on my shelf right now that if I sold them would be, you know, probably between two or three thousand dollars uh, on the you know, secondary market, which is just insane for a liquid. I mean, that's that's just an insane price. But but that's that's bourbon in Kentucky, I guess. Yep. All right. What about I wanted to talk a little bit about so your job, you kind of went through some of your roles and responsibilities. I mean, essentially, it's just making sure everything, you know, runs like a top on game day and all the work that leads up to that and then all the work afterward. So for me, it's been a little bit different in the fact that I'm kind of smiling saying this because most of my responsibilities when I cover a game for like ESPN Louisville or something would be post game. Right. I would go and like get the post game, um, you know, plug in a cord, get some audio from players like whatever the station needed. But now everything's moved you know, to Zoom. So it's good for me. It doesn't quite keep me there as late, I guess. But I was thinking about you this week, just kind of preparing to speak with you. And I have to imagine that your role and responsibilities um, now with COVID-19 has pretty much just, it's probably like you have an additional job, right? Yeah, it has been a lot different. Um, I can tell you that. We've spent a long time um, in the last probably three or four months trying to figure out what it would look like. Um, uh, you, you know, I my job on football Saturdays at Kroger Field is to make sure that all the media and, and visiting team personnel that that are in their media personnel get in and out of the, out of uh, the stadium as quickly and as safely and as easily as possible. Um, so it, it's a it's a challenging job. I, I try to make sure everybody has as much information as they can on the front end. Um, you know, but distributing parking passes, distributing credentials providing space for everybody, make sure everybody's needs are accommodated uh, is challenging. Um, and, and, but normally we do it all within certain parameters. So, so you know, on, on, a, on a normal game day before COVID, we would have about, you know, 250, 200, 250 media that we would be taking care of on a normal game day at Kroger Field. That's photographers, videographers, TV, network television, uh, radio, et cetera. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, which is, which is crazy, but it's a lot easier than where we are now, which is we're, we have about 50 media on game days. Um, 42 of that is in the press box. Um, And then we have another, you know, 10 to 12 photographers that, that we're able to accommodate. So now it's all working within someone else's regulations, which, which are valid. You know, the league worked really hard to put parameters in place for us to work through, to be able to provide a safe game day to our media and our student athletes and our fans. Um, And, you know, abiding by them has been challenging because every venue is different. Right. So, you know, for, for Auburn, it's going to be different than it is for us because the facilities are just so different. So, um, it has been a challenge. Um, we went from 132 press seats in our press box to 42. 
um, you know, the plexiglass, which I mean, you've seen all this, so you know a little bit about it, the plexiglass and getting it in the right spot and, you know, trying to make sure people are six feet apart and trying to make sure people wear their mask. And, um, you know, we only have four elevators there at Kroger Field in that main lobby, and you can only have three people in an elevator at a time. So trying to make sure that we get the media in there soon enough so that they can get up in the elevators and not have to wait in line for fans or not over capacity that main lobby there where the elevators are. Um, the hallway where we do our will call can only have one person at a time because of the strict corridor. So there's just so many things that we had to think through that normally we just take for granted. I mean, we just, we normally just open the gate and let as many people in that corridor at will call as we can and have ever many people that can fit in the elevator and take a ride upstairs can do it, whether it's five or 20, you know, it is what it is. And all of that has changed now. Everything is very strategic and very, uh, thought out and detailed, and it, it definitely has added so much to our plate, which is crazy when you consider that we are, you know, 20% of the attendance that we would normally have, but it's double or triple the work. Yeah, I can't imagine. I thought, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what you do. You know, your job is logistics and everything. COVID is logistics now. So you touched on it a little bit, but how much of the new procedures are just you guys kind of checking the box um, of what the SEC is requiring? And then how much of it is like individual unique things that you've adapted for the University of Kentucky and Kroger Field specifically? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both um, for sure. The, the thing about it is we all want a safe environment. You know, we, we all want to be able to be safe. And when we come to cover a game, um, you know, I want to feel safe where, where I sit on game days. I want my staff to feel safe. I want the media to feel safe, home radio, visiting radio, network television. Um, and then the other factor in that is the coaches. You know, home and visiting coaches are up in the box with us. Um, and I want them to feel safe as well. The challenging part is, is that everybody has a different level of safe. So, you know, you can space the press box out six feet. We put plexiglass up. We've limited the food. We've limited the drinks. You know, we've limited high touch areas. All the doors that we now have on press level, you can slide open with your foot or with your shoulder. You know, uh, we have hand sanitizer literally at every corner. Um, instructions on how to wash your hands. And so, there, but but that may not be enough for, for someone, but, but it may be too much for someone else. And so finding that balance and making sure that you're providing the best game day experience that you can in this new environment is, is what the, the biggest challenge has been. Um, the great thing is, is our media have been so understanding, um, so understanding of the restrictions that we have and, and how we have to work within certain things and, and that we're doing the best that we can to try to accommodate everyone that we can. And so that has been fantastic. Um, just over the top thrilled with how everyone has taken it. And, um, and the league has worked hard to make sure that everybody knows, um, you know, what, what's expected. Um, because at the end of the day, what you don't want to happen is you don't want us to have a different set of regulations than let's say Tennessee and our media go down to Tennessee and it's super strict and you mm -hmm. can only have this and that, but then they come here and it's different. And then vice versa, you know, the league was very adamant about making sure it was as universal as possible across the board so that the traveling media 
had an understanding each week of what they were going to come into and how they would be um, taken care of. And so um, it definitely has been good, the regulations from the league, um, but it has been a challenge to fit those into, you know, our system and our, our venue. I'm excited about women's basketball, man. I got to cover my first women's basketball game last year. Um, it was Kentucky Louisville too with Ryan Howard. I was doing photography. It was like one of the cooler things I've ever done. I had the opportunity again. So uh, my daughter, Lily, she'll be 13 in a few weeks. And my son, Calvin, is 19 months. So I don't even want to get into that right now. I'll just start wow. stressing myself out. But um, so I took Lily and her, a couple players from her middle school basketball team to Rupp Arena um, was that game, you know, to see um, Kentucky women's basketball play against Louisville, which was a Best women's game I've ever been to. It was great. And then we've also had Aaron Toller on the podcast. Um, since I'm right around the corner from Sacred Heart, I would take my daughter to see her play a lot because they're just, they're just so good. But I'm excited about women's basketball. Man, I think this team's going to be awesome. So uh, tell me just a little bit about that, women's basketball, and kind of how they're preparing. Is it similar to the, to the men's? And I guess kind of what do you expect from them? Yeah, um, that was a great game last year. Um, I was so wishing that Ryan Howard last second shot. I know I have a great photo of man. I'm like a self-taught photographer and I have a really good photo of that. And I I just, I think about that all the time. Like, dang, I wish that shot would have dropped in, but she's just phenomenal, man. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could even really argue that she's probably the, you know, preseason, probably, you know, top player in the country, at least top two or three. Oh yeah. I I just, I mean, obviously Dana Evans at Louisville is probably going to have a little bit to say about that. And there are a few others around the, the uh, SEC that probably would 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 think they'd have an, a, a hat in that conversation, but Ryan Howard is exceptional. I mean, she is just so special of a player and a person. That's what that's what's so good about it is just how much of a phenomenal human being she is. And um, I have a, I had a friend that was at that Louisville game just to talk about it a little bit more. And he he is not the biggest women's basketball fan. I'll just kind of put it at that. You know, it's not not necessarily his kind of game. He, he obviously prefers the men's game. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I had him come to the game and um, he, he watched it and I was watching in the second half and he was on his feet almost the whole second mm-hmm. half, uh, just into that game and into Ryan Howard. And after the game, he called me and he said, Ryan Howard is the closest thing I have ever seen to um, – Kevin Durant, male or female. He's like, she is just an exceptional athlete um, and just a crazy basketball player. Um, and so I think that she has branched so many people into women's basketball because of how exciting she plays. But the team's going to be good. I think they're really, really going to be good. Um, we've been doing some preseason interviews this week and listening in on them with a couple of our media outlets. I think that they're – you know, going to be good. I think they think they're going to, they're going to have a good year. Um, getting Olivia Owens eligible mm-hmm. from Maryland immediately is going to help them tremendously because when you look at Matthew Mitchell's teams in the past, the one thing that just always seemed like they could use some more depth in was in the post and just have being a little taller, a little more physical, you know, a little more banging down there in the post. I think she's going to give you that immediately, along with Tatiana Wyatt coming back for her senior year, Kiki McKinney coming back for her senior year, Drayana Edwards, who was the Pac-12 freshman of the year mm-hmm. two years ago at, at Utah, transferred, sat out last year. You know, she's about 6'2", 6'3", very strong build, can bang around in there, but can also maybe, you know, play a stretch and can step out and hit some shots. 
crazy athletic. I think she's going to help him tremendously. Um, and I actually just got off the phone with Ryan Howard's mom, uh, who was doing an interview, and me and uh, Miss RJ, who's just an amazing human being too. But but me and Miss RJ were talking about how we think Ryan's closer to six four than she is six three right now. Wow! It almost I, I I told the story when Ryan the first time I saw her since uh, she went home in March for the pandemic. Uh, was about a month ago at the Joe Craft Center, and she came walking in. I was just staring at her, and she looked at me. She's like, "What are you staring at?" And I'm like, "You, I can't think. Like, how tall are you now? You look like you're like six six. Um, and she just can't believe how tall and imposing she was uh, when she walked into the room. So uh, I think she's due for another huge year. Um, I just think they're going to be really, really good. They're going to be crazy athletic. They've got some shooters that, you know, really, I think, can stretch the floor and, and provide a, a, a buffer for Ryan so she doesn't just have to do everything. Not that she, she did everything last year, but, you know, take some stress off of her um, and, and, and how she runs the offense. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think they're going to have a great year. Yeah, I'm similar to your friend in the fact that, I mean, I always had a good respect for women's basketball, but wasn't the biggest fan. But now that my daughter, again, is that age where she wants to watch it, and I've been taking her to it. And I just – I love the coupling of the, the skill level and the passion of women's basketball. Like, they have to be so skilled because they can't jump, you know, a foot over the rim like the men's team can. So, just the skill level from every position and their fundamentals, like I always just – I love watching. They always all have great footwork. And, and just the, the passion at which the game is played at, I think, is just infectious. So, yeah. uh, we did – You know, yeah. and they're, they're approachable. So, that, not that our men's basketball players aren't. But, but our women's basketball players are so much more accessible than, than our men's players are um, for, for obvious reasons. And, and they all have great personalities and they're great kids. And, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, one of the reasons I stay in this business is because I love that Eileen gets to walk down. She comes to every game, a women's basketball game, and um, she normally gets there about 30 minutes early. She walks down, she sits on my lap at the scores table and all the girls come over and say hi to her and talk to her. They know her by name. And, you know, um, it's, it's just such a great environment for her to be around. I want her to see successful women and, and especially a lot of women in, in my, minority women that are, are successful. Um, and, and I think it's just great for her to see. And it, it's great for any kid to come and see. Um, and, and they're so accessible after the game. It's just uh, – it's just incredible. One of the best moments from last year was some kid held up a sign at halftime um, of a really big game. We were playing Mississippi State, which is a top ten opponent. Held up a sign and said, all I want for my birthday is a Ryan Howard selfie. <laughs> and as Ryan was coming onto the floor at halftime, she saw it. And so while the rest of the team was hitting lay- doing the layup line at halftime, Ryan ran up into the stands and took a selfie with the kid. Awesome. Um, I mean, which is just incredible. You know, you'd never see that in a men's basketball game. Yeah. Like Coach Cowan, he would kill that kid if he went. Yeah, they play, they'd probably never make it back down on the floor because you're absolutely right about the accessibility part. I never really thought about that as much because um, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I think the, the access that you get to them is – is greater than the men's basketball for sure. Awesome story about your daughter too, man. That, that, that's going to be a great memory for her to like look back and see pictures if you know she's not old enough to remember at any point. And I've actually had that idea and you're the perfect person to talk to about, but now in 2020, it's probably going to have to get pushed back a while. But I think it'd be really neat to do some type of event 
where uh, media members could bring their kids, you know, and they could kind of, you know, just ask a question or something like that. Um, I always thought that idea would be really neat because I get so many of you guys on that, that integrate your kids into your jobs anyway. But that as we discussed idea. previously, a lot of a lot of logistics with stuff like that now. Yeah, it's a, it is a great idea. Definitely uh, post pandemic, but uh, that is a great idea. All right, real quick, let's take us um, a break for some sponsors, and then we're going to kind of rapid fire through these last few segments here. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Kentucky Dad Podcast, Big Blue Drew, Evan Crane here with us today. Got some really good dialogue going on today. I'm, I'm enjoying it as I always do. And again, if you haven't heard any of the upper, other episodes, please make sure you go back. They're all on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which is great. I never really use Spotify, and I finally looked this up on there, and it's much more user-friendly than Apple Podcasts. I liked it a lot. And the Cats by 90 podcast with um, Aaron Gershon and I, he brings a lot of great information. We just had a celebratory Tennessee edition where we played a lot of audio from their angry fans over the weekend and upset. It, it, was, it was great. We're the first people to get to do that for many years for the win down there. So appreciate it if you're listening. And Evan, man, we could kind of roll through. So I missed um, an early question that I was supposed to ask a little bit earlier, but that's okay. Um, the question's pretty simple. It's just, this one's an afternoon. Normally we do this at night after the kids are put to bed. So you can answer it for last night. Um, very simple question. What did you and the family do for dinner last night? We had taco night uh, nice. at the greenhouse. Uh, Eileen does not like tacos. Mm. Um, she will occasionally eat a quesadilla. Um, but uh, we had taco night, and she had leftover chicken tenders and french fries. Um, and then she got um, treated with um, – I've already bought Halloween candy, of course. Um, and she likes nerds. So um, if she got her chicken and french fries – um, which she ate with uh, grapes. She uh, she got a box, of, a little small box of nerds. So that was that was dinner at the Crane House last night. <laughs> nice. I was um, mine was tricky last night because man, my daughter now. Ugh, get ready for this, Evan. She's been having basketball practice on Wednesdays until nine thirty. I've picked her up at nine thirty across town. But we talked last night that um, she's super busy right now. I'm like, we are not going to complain about having too much stuff for Lily Brown to do because for so many months, I just felt horrible for her not having anything to do. So she's tough, you know, preteen. So last night I had, a, I had three options ready. I had like a lasagna made, some chicken tenders, and something else because she's picky, right? She's 13. No, I'm not even hungry, Dad. So that's how my night ended. I don't think she ended up eating any of the, the three options that I made. And, and we just made some like air fryer chicken wings. So about typical around our house, made some food. Nobody wanted it. All you can do is try, you know, yep. I mean, that's, that's all you can do as a dad. You just got to give them options and try. And uh, at the end of the day, when they're 13, you, there's only so much you can do. Um, well, I always like to give people the opportunity, Evan, when they join me on the Kentucky Dad Podcast, just to go through and just talk about any father figures um, in your own life that kind of developed you into the dad that you are today. Um, so the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, my, my dad, um, who is Robert Willis Crane Jr., um, but everybody calls him Tobin and uh, have forever. And um, I'm not really for sure where that nickname came from other than it just it just how it stuck when he was a little boy. But, um, you know, my dad was uh, and is um, the strongest um, person that I've ever met. He, he just is – he's 66. Last week he turned 66. And he um, – you know, you would think he was 46. I mean, he just – 
Um, he just can do anything. Uh, he, he, he literally can do anything. He was so handy when, you know, growing up that him and his dad built our first house, uh, at least a, a major wow. addition to it in a garage. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know hardly anything about tools or building stuff, uh, mainly because my dad could just do it so easy and so quick. We, as us as kids, we didn't need to know. Um, but, um, but no, I'm the youngest of four kids. Uh, my dad had two kids from his first marriage, then went through a divorce. Um, he had two, two girls, went through a divorce. He met my mom, who also was going through a divorce. They married, and um, they had two boys, me and my brother, and I'm the youngest of all those four. Um, but my oldest sister lived with us um, her whole um, her whole life. So really there were three of us. And then every other weekend we got my other sister. Um, so there were four, uh, every other weekend. And, you know, my dad worked two, three jobs to put food on the table and to, you know, provide for us. You know, when I was young, it was four kids every other weekend, but every other day it was three kids, um, 13, three and me as a newborn in a two bedroom, one bath house. Um, and we shared the bedroom. And so, um, you know, my dad just worked so hard. He, um, he started college and then, you know, he at the time got his girlfriend, um, pregnant and had to drop out of college to provide for his family and has done that every day since. And, uh, I just so thankful for him and so blessed to have him. He's, I gave him a hard time. All of us give our dads a hard time, but he, uh, he's an amazing, amazing person that I've learned so much from. And, and then his dad, my pa, who passed a few years back, um, was just such a, a quiet leader. You know, he just didn't talk much, but when he did, you, you, everybody listened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just took, I've taken so much patience from my pa and how he handled situations and how he would, you know, observe and listen and then act with an iron fist instead of just trying to, you know, lead from the start. He, 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 he really knew how to read people and, um, you know, bring calm demeanor and, and positive reactions to, to things. Um, and then my, my other grandfather who died when I was 15, um, he, he probably was the closest grandparent that I had at the time. Um, when he passed, he taught me how to shave. Um, you know, he taught me so many things and I miss him every day. How often do you really need to shave Evan? I feel like you have one of the, like the stereotypical (laughs) baby faces. Well, it's funny. The reason that I I normally have a a stereotypical baby face is I actually shave every other day. Okay. Um, and my, 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 my grand who was the one who died when I was 15 he taught me he, every day. He would say this, Drew. He would say, "You should always be clean shaved every day, because you don't know when you're going to meet your future wife or your future employer." And so he shaved every day, and he instilled in me to shave every day. I don't grow facial hair enough to shave every day, but I shave every other day, um, and and that's why it literally is because of him is why I shave. People have begged me, including my wife to grow facial hair and uh, my gram would roll in his grave if I, uh, if I grew facial hair. So, um, 
that uh, that's that's just not what I'm going to do. But there are two more people. One is a guy named Mike Gentry who um, just instilled um, belief and confidence in me. He was a friend's dad that I had growing up, and was uh, I, I, I got him, I knew him from church and um, some other Christian type organizations that I was very involved in growing up, and you know just always took a uh, a leadership role with me and put me under his wing and helped guide me. Um, and I'm always be grateful for Mike Gentry. I try to keep in touch as much as I can these days. Uh, just an amazing human. And then finally, this may sound a little weird, but actually my Mima. Um, there is no one in this world that I, I, I me and my Mima did not get along very well. Hmm. And then when my grandfather died, her ex-husband, they got a divorce. Um, when I was 15, you know, I decided that it was stupid that me and my grandmother don't get along. Um, we, we needed to fix that. And so um, my Meemaw became my best friend and, until until the day she died a couple years back. Um, and, you know, she just taught me so much about life and um, how to treat people and, you know, the important things and to slow down and to enjoy every moment and to, you know, not worry about, the, the, the small stuff and, and to just, you know, to take in every second that you get. Um, and I'm so grateful for her and her leadership. And, um, but I, I, there's so many things I do to every day in my life that I reflect back and think of my Mima and anybody that knows me knows how special she was to me and how much she means to me. So that's probably the, the full list there. Awesome. And it takes a village. And I think anytime you, you know, you're obviously an awesome, awesome dad and awesome guy to accomplish all you have. And it typically takes a village. And I think almost everybody mentions some type of, um, of woman as a figure in their life too, that kind of shaped who they are as a dad. And I think you need that kind of um, motherly advice, I guess, too, at some point to kind of soften those edges a bit. And it's good. And it's, I always love hearing too. And it really will just surprise you just like everybody I talk to seemingly, um, did kind of have a similar story of, of yours as just that, man, one parent really just had to put it all on the line just to make ends meet. And then that's allowed an opportunity for you to go and, you know, accomplish really neat things and essentially, you know, work your dream job and, and have all those opportunities. And it was really, um, I guess that was a long way of saying that it was really because of the sacrifice of others. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, my, my mom's in that category too. You know, my dad worked multiple jobs. My mom, um, works at a bank, which I know you probably, uh, have, have, uh, know a little bit about. And, uh, you know, she, uh, my, both my parents, man, I just tell you, I just can't, I can't get over how, how awesome they are and, and all that they've done for me and sacrificed for me. And, um, you know, my dad dropped out of college, but then worked his tail off in grocery stores his whole life. Mm. And, um, would wake up at 3 a.m. every morning and would stock the yeah, chip that's a tough job, I know. Never ends. Yeah, and, and so, uh, and my mom, you know, has very little college education. She does not have a, a bachelor's degree, and she's vice president of a bank. Um, mm. It just worked her way. She graduated from high school, started as a teller, and has worked her way up for 30, 40 years in, in a bank. And so, uh, I just, I'm very, very blessed, very fortunate. Well, I was going to introduce a new segment today, and, and we can try it. And I almost feel bad doing it because it's kind of a tougher one. But I thought it was really good just based off the stuff that we always talk about on here. So I'm like, I know people use the phrase a lot, putting you on the spot. But I'm really going to do it now and just feel free to answer this however you Hang like. On. But 
But my next question is going to be, when is the last time that Evan Crane has had a good cry? Oh, Drew, I cry all the time. <laughs> I, I cry all the time. Um, I am a – I'm very emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, good and, and bad, I, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, – I do cry a lot. But I can tell you, I can, I can actually tell you the exact moment. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was the Tuesday night um, when my wife listens to this, she's going to be dying hysterically because uh, she, she, I normally, when I cry, I normally try to keep to myself. Like I don't want to <laughs> show the world that I'm having a moment right. and she walked in on me during this uh, uh, instance. And so she thought it was hysterical that she, that I finally was the emotional one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the Tuesday night before the Ole Miss game. So we were about to have our first home football game, right? And there was just a ton going on. I mean, I was just 12-hour, 14-hour days trying to get things settled, and it was constantly on the phone. And, you know, it it hit me that for the past six months, it has been me and Eileen home every day. Oh, yeah. I loved being a stay-at-home dad. Now, I was working, you know, while she was here, but, but I just loved watching her grow up. And, you know, seeing her from two and a half to three and, and how different she was every day and, mm-hmm. and, and the words she was picking up and the actions she was picking up and developing her own personality and branching out and coming into her own. And, and I was just sitting there and she was in the, sh- in the bath with my wife, was giving her a bath and I was sitting in her room getting her clothes ready and and I just had a mental breakdown. I mean, I literally just started crying and could not stop crying because it, in a way our summer together was over and, right. and, you know, it was daddy was having to go back to work. And, and unfortunately, you know, I work on weekends and late nights and that means daddy misses some stuff and mm-hmm. misses bedtimes and different things. And, you know, it all kind of, kind of culminated into that, that Tuesday night before the Ole Miss game and, and uh, I had a, a very good cry. I will tell you that. It was, a, it was a very good cry. Good, man. Well, you were the perfect person to, like, kind of um, inaugurate the cry question on. So thank you for your candid, honest answer. And, and I'm similar with you. Mine are so weird. And, um, it, it's really since I became a parent, which, again, and I think specifically of a girl, I think this happens. But I always laugh and kind of make this joke, but it's, like, really true. I feel like ever since I've had a daughter, like I can cry at a Ford commercial. Like if it hits on a daughter, father's love, and you know, can kind of pull that heartstring in any way, like I'll definitely get a little. Um, so I guess my things are definitely usually like prompted more from television. I think a lot of times on television, I'll watch and just see my own stuff. But I kind of already gave mine away because that show, The Unicorn, got me choked up a little bit this week because. Um, again, it's centered around like a, um, a husband losing his wife. So obviously your brain is sitting there just thinking about like, well, I, I couldn't even probably make it one day without my wife, much less, you know, fathers and dads and husbands that have to go their whole life without a, a parent or whatever. So that has to be really, really hard. So good, man. I'm glad you get your cries in. I try to as well. So good stuff there. We can round it off with dad jokes. Um, and you can go first, Evan, if you want. Did you get, bring us a dad joke? I did, and it's on theme. I, you know, I've said I, I love Halloween, so it is uh-huh. a Halloween-themed dad joke. Um, so here it is. Why did Dracula not bite Taylor Swift? Why? 
Because she had bad blood. <laughs> yeah, she had bad blood. Good one. Good one. All right, that was, you did. You tied it all in on Halloween and everything. So it's always tough for me because I got to do one of these every week. But I, I, I steal them, obviously. But I, I like this one. All right. So my dad joked this week. Like, I grew up in a small town and everyone respected my grandfather. He had a saying and it was fight fire with fire. He was such an awesome man, but a terrible fireman. <laughs> that's good. That's <laughs> uh, that's why I thought that one was funny, but they usually are only funny to the, the person delivering them, but that's great. And, and I really do have a good regimen of dad jokes, like in my regular life. I'm like, I'm, I'm laying them out everywhere. No one thinks they're funny but me, but I love it. Well, that's, that's why they're dad jokes. Really, yep. as long as you like them, it's giving <laughs> you the relief you need. So you, you, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. 100%. Well, man, this, I had high expectations for this one, and, and it exceeded those. Again, I think you're, you're a person around Kentucky athletics that I feel like um, a lot of people know but maybe don't, don't hear from as much. So I know I'm hoping that a lot of people check this out and listen and get to learn a little bit more about you as the person and the dad. And I'll tell you what, man, it's a date. We're going to um, get our daughters together at, at a women's basketball game this year, hopefully, or something like that. And we can kind of uh, bring everything together. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, there, there are so many great moments that us dads have and um, talking about them just make them better. So I appreciate what you're doing with the podcast. I think it's really cool. And I really appreciate you having me on. You're very welcome. We will talk soon.